It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's a good one today. It's Wednesday, of course. That means armchair politics is coming up. 2018 Green Party uh, candidate for governor in Michigan, uh, Jennifer Curland, will be joining our roundtable regulars uh, coming up in about an hour. Uh, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right for our two-hour commentary and analysis about local, state, and national news and current events. And, uh, of course, some interesting quotes and uh, (laughs) those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. But first, this hour, uh, joining me uh, by phone, uh, my guest this hour, is uh, a... uh, Well, he formerly served as acting director and associate director of operation at the CIA. He is the author of Good Hunting, an American Spy Master's Story, and a uh, new book called Spy Master's Prism, The Fight Against Russian Aggression. He has uh, been called a legendary former spy master, Jack Devine, and uh, Jack joins me by phone. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the show. Great to be on your show, Tom. Um, Jack, are the Russians still making big trouble for moose and squirrel? I can say without a 
without hesitation. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I grew up uh, in that, that era. That's the theme of my book. That's the theme of my book. I think um, we both did. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in that era where there was still an official, somewhat declared Cold War between the United States and Russia. And I remember it it permeated all kinds of pop culture. Um, you know, I, I just made reference to, you know, Boris and Natasha from the Bullwinkle cartoons making big trouble for Moose and Squirrel. There was, uh, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. And... There was a declared end to the Cold War, but did it actually end? For about six weeks. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm so surprised I, you give it that much, Jack. <laughs> well, I don't want to overstate the case. <laughs> so so in, uh, in the book, my main point because I think we're, we're missing it. We're, we're very focused on China. We should be as a geopolitical threat. It, it certainly is a, as we look over the horizon. But we still have a Cold War going on. It just no one wants to, to talk about it. And, and the Cold War, the one you and I are referring to, you know, we, in the back streets around the world and, and mountains and hills of many countries, we were in a struggle. I ran the program to drive the Russians out of Afghanistan and uh, the mid-80s. But what we're looking at today is, you know, a cyber Cold War. I mean, it's already started and it's running. And the difference, and I'll talk about this later, but the, the difference is there are no rules to the road. There's no understanding. But the Russians are very active operating inside our country. And uh, Solar Watch is, you know, an example, a very recent example of their very aggressive activities in the United States. So, uh, the Cold War ended just briefly when, when the uh, when the wall came down, and then when the Russian government, the Soviet government fell, Russian government fell in uh, August of '91. Uh, I happened to be in Moscow as the guest of the KGB, by the way, in June of '91. There's no correlation, but there was a brief period when the, the Russian government fell. But I, I was kidding about the six weeks, but. It, they did continue operating, but at much reduced scale. But by the time Putin was in the second year, it was it was back uh, pretty much full bore. And they're as active as they were in the Cold War, in some ways more active. Now, I, I have to ask you this, uh, because I, I'm just so curious about it. What is, what is the information, and, and why did you feel it was important to share the information in your spymaster books, because CIA operations officers are not typically good sharers, Jack. Well, my career is, <laughs> I'm not saying it's, it's, it's uh, unique, but it certainly is, uh, is, is one that has much more what we call covert action operations. In other words, you have espionage, spying, and there's nothing you'll read unless it's been in the public and by public, it wouldn't be on your show or in the newspaper. It has to be an official U.S. document. So there's a confusion. There's a lot in the press, which I still can't speak about, unless it's an official document. But I was in Chile when Allende was over, overthrown. I was in the Iran Contra affair on the white hat side, if there was one, saying not a good idea. You know, I, I ran the program where I said against the, the Russians in Afghanistan. I knew Rick Ames, the American spy inside the CIA. I hunted for Hansen. Uh, he was in charge of counter-narcotics when we ran down Pablo Escobar. So when you 
push this together, I can talk about a lot of things that the government is accept uh, that will accept and allow me to print. The book was approved. There's no sources and methods. I am allowed to give my opinions. Right. In other words, as long as I'm not doing it, I'm a, once you leave the agency, you're still a free citizen. You're a free citizen when you're in, but you must keep secrets. And I was undercover for all my career. But near the very end, I was lifted. So the fact that I'm a CIA person, I am able to talk. And I'm a, a if you will, frustrated old teacher. I, I, I taught high school many years ago. And part of my uh, efforts in writing a book is to pass on uh, sort of my understanding of how how the system works and what are the principles? What is good covert action? When do you use force? And I would like to think it's not just for young young folks or people who just have a passing interest, but I think it's for policymakers. When do you stop, look, and listen before you hit the button to go into taking action? And today, if you looked at Iran, Korea, Russia, China, there are opportunities here, but you need to reflect on those principles. And I delineate them in, in the books, and I try to pass on many lessons I learned the hard way. Right? So you're absolutely right. It, it, I am unique in, in, in that, that score, that this, whether it's a fluke of God or, or, or just I kept running to the wrong places <laughs> or the right places or the right places. Uh, is is something that I'm diagnosing as I'm writing. But when we talk about the uh, the Cold War, um, and it's interesting, you mentioned how much attention is being paid to China. When we talk about the Cold War, that was pretty much U.S. and Russia, and there was you know clearly um, there there was an arms race, there was a space race, there was this this ongoing competition for intelligence and all that time china seemed to be a sleeping giant were they well i think that's true in the intelligence business uh and when i when i say uh true in the intelligence business uh the chinese were always uh you know under mouse tone and going forward very repressive from the intelligence business internally. In other words, they arrested people, they monitored everybody, but they were very low profile internationally, partly because they didn't have the funds. The other part was uh, they were a bit like the North Koreans were for a long time. It was hard to even meet a Chinese. In other words, if I wanted to recruit one, it was hard to meet them because they stayed in the embassy. So, But as they became more and more a, a genuine big power and started spending large sums of money around the world and developing military, uh, adjunct to military, including you know, if you go back to, to the Chinese philosophers about, about war, intelligence is the number one ingredient you need. So as their military, it, you can equate it. The size of their military will pretty much equate to how much they invest in the intelligence world. But there's a difference today. So they've gone from that sleepy uh, realm into... Uh, very aggressive cyber activities around the world, collecting information, right? They're big collectors. They're very effective collectors. You put enough people, enough equipment, enough money. The Russians have been in cyber for a long time. They've been the big difference, and this is what I want to draw a, a really dark line under. The Chinese really aren't meddling in the influence side of operations in the United States. In other words, they're collecting every piece of information that 
cyber or allow you to collect, and there's been recent incidents showing that. But the Russians, where there's a, a, a troubling event, and you know, we can talk about the 2016 interference in elections, but you know, if you step back and forget the personalities of the candidates and you look at it, the real issue was the Russian intelligence were mucking around in internal political affairs in the United States. And most people, because we watch a lot of movies, we think that that is what took place in the Cold War. And it isn't. In the Cold War, we had an understanding, and it's called by what I would call the old timers, the Moscow Rules. There's nothing in writing, and that was, we could fight in Italy in 48, in Guatemala in 54, in Iran, Afghanistan in the 80s, I mean, we could, Central America, we could fight Russians all around the world, but we did not meddle internally, and neither did they meddle inside our political affairs. There are one or two examples, right? But we had sure. an understanding. Today, they're going full bore. I mean, if you look at what they were doing in the election, and you look at the real objective was to undermine our political process. You know, well, let me, let me ask say, you about that, because I, I'm one of the few people, uh, Jack, that read the Mueller report. And it was in two parts. There was the first part, which was about Russian involvement in the election and some of the things that they did. The second part was more about um, whether or not the, the, the president tried to intervene in things. And, and it was a lot more technical and a lot more legal. But the first part read like a spy novel. That's um, what people see. More people should read that, Tom. Yeah, I'm on the second part. They miss they miss how much spying activity. I mean, genuine spying activity was going on. I I read that, I, I it was a page turner. I mean, I read the first half of that report in one sitting. You know, and it was two hundred pages. And and like I said, it read like a spy novel. Did you get a chance to read it, or, or, or at least get the... No, idea? I did, and, I, and in the book, in fact, I'm glad you're promoting the, the Mueller report, but I'm going to promote my book, Fuck This. Is oh, no, 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 I there, No, what I'm, I'm kidding. What I'm saying is, in, in my book, I, I, make, I try to underline this point with specific facts about that section of the book, where they're out trying to trying to meet people around Trump, get access, and they're trying to run, they're running around, and they're not up on their game. In other words, they are not, they run much better operations than appear in the report, but they were panicked because they weren't, they weren't set up because Trump was a bit of a surprise to the world that he got elected. So they were surprised the intelligence services. They were trying to make up time, and as a result, when you do it, you do sloppy ops. So when I read it, I read all of the techniques, and I just thought to myself, you know, they must have been really desperate because I know they can <laughs> do, do better. Uh, Jack, I've got to interrupt you so here. Well taken. Jack, I've got to interrupt you here, and I, and I hate to do it, um, but uh, I have to take a short break. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can dig oh, down no, on your book? I'll be, I'll be, absolutely. All right. My guest is uh, legendary former spymaster Jack Devine, an author of a new book called Spymaster's Prism, the fight against Russian aggression. And uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Stand by. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with legendary former spymaster Jack Devine, author of the new book, Spymaster's Prism, The Fight Against Russian Aggression. Hey, welcome back, Jack. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. I enjoyed it. Uh, A lot of interesting folks saying very nice things. (laughs) Well, that's why I play it over and over every day. Um, but uh, you called me out a little bit uh, just before the break for drawing attention to the Mueller report and away from your book, Spymaster's Prism. <laughs> but what I was hoping, <laughs> but what I was hoping to do, Jack, was by by referencing that report and the um, the narrative about the various spying activities that Russians were involved in during the 2016 presidential election especially when it comes to um you know the the cyber gathering of intelligence and interfering with uh, american politics i was hoping what we might do is jump from that to your book and talk about you know and 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 kick it up a notch oh no absolutely i think we'd be in a better place the last couple years if everybody read the uh, the report. I mean, I'm not saying it's fun reading. Um, but the first half the was Russian pretty part, good. <laughs> <laughs> but the part that you're referring to is instructive, and it's instructive in the context of what I'm talking about. What do spy operations look like? How do spies really end up working in uh, our government or, or working in our enemy's government? So I, I was kidding you about it because uh, uh, I'm hoping my read is a little bit a little bit more entertaining but i think it's it's still uh, i reference it at great uh, and and footnotes and so on because i do think it's uh important to focus on there were real operations and we get and it's not about the personalities they just need to have penetrations inside our government and they were probably going to be bankrupt because trump wasn't really of keen interest in the 10th sense of national security things you know so it was they probably had a, an empty pot. Well, there's a lot of, sadly to say, I'm sure there are, there are penetrations in every, not every branch, in major branches, including my old CIA. I've always worked in assumption we had a mole in there. Well, it it, um, it it gave me a much better understanding of how massive an operation the interference was. You know, it it wasn't like, you know, a few funny political dirty tricks. It it was a massive effort. And that was the first sense that I had that this wasn't just a few random events. And that's what you talk about in the book is that there is a, a, an actual Russian aggression that we need to be dealing with. And things have changed. We're not playing geopolitical chess we're getting involved in computer hacks at a very high level what i do in the book time is i go back from the going between the past and the present in other words using disinformation in the 60s using it in you know 2021 and how so much of it is similar uh, and what and how you run operations and what you do the difference is they're applying it inside the United States, and the big difference in intelligence is 
cyber. It's an extraordinary capability that makes intelligence agencies so much more powerful. I could have controlled the world. It's an exaggeration. <laughs> no, I was the only one that had cyber power back in the 80s or 90s. You know, so so I think it's getting a grip on this and and getting away from the personality part of it. But look at you know, when you talk about it, there were you know 470 Facebook sites, 120 events, there's 29 million people that were reached with it. They had you know. Uh, almost 3,000 Twitter sites. I mean, but it, what you need, what people need to understand, it's not about which party wins. What they really want to do is de not destabilize because they don't want our country because they uh, destabilize because they don't know where it'll turn out. It could turn out far to the right or far or the left. What they want to do is keep us weak. And if you look at the results of their operation, it far exceeds, there was what they did with uh, going into the uh, DNC and getting the information out. You know, it was a you know outrageous, but the impact isn't just what I just rattled off in the in the election. But we've been snapping at each other's ankles for the last four years, and are likely to go on snapping because they they were helping to stir up the, the equation. If we weren't talking about Russia for the last four years, it it might have been healthier. But in the book, I talk about the spy and the techniques that they're using. They're they look a little old fashioned. The human part. And as I said before, it's it's that's the, the way you really do operations are much more slower and more methodical. In fact, most of the information comes to us by volunteers, and, and I cite many of the cases. And I said I knew Rick, Rick Ames, who was a went to his wedding. You know, he was a spy inside CIA. Worked for me. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very interesting. I go into the psychology of it. So the the, the Mueller gives you a, a glimpse of it when it's not working so hot. I mean, the cyber part they were doing pretty well, but the in the human part it looked pretty lame. Well, the the curious thing, or at least the thing that I wonder about a lot, Jack, and maybe you can shed some light on it, is how well equipped the U.S. is for counter cyber intelligence. You know, we hear about um, not as much as we should, as you. Um, point out but we hear about russian and and others um hacking into sensitive areas and information from you know government and business but we don't hear about how well we're able to catch those things and to counter those things are we actively fighting back there's two really excellent questions embedded in that that I could like to tease out. One is we have amazing capabilities. I mean, we are still cutting-edge technology. We've been in this business a long time. So if we were to go into an arena, I'd say bet on the Americans if you're looking at a struggle in the cyber, cyber arena between capabilities, right? But the second question is the one of defense, okay? And everybody's weak. I mean, there is, we're tremendously strong in the offense. The Russians are amazingly strong. Uh, the Chinese are, uh, Russia's punching above its weight, right? China's probably punching at its weight. But we're, I think we're the, I think we're the champion and these are serious contenders. But that's on capability. The second side of your question is, you know, can we defend ourselves, right? And so the offense, just by the nature of the beast, 
is so much harder to protect against. And if you look at the, I said the, the solar watch attacks. I mean, they're they're in our State Department. They're reading our mail. They're in the DHS. And these are, I believe, that's only the tip of of of, of the ice iceberg. So defense is really um, uh, a major problem. Every every country is trying to toughen up. But let me go to what I think is really the third issue, because you used the word fight, and it's a really good question. And it gets to the main theme of the book, and that is they're meddling inside our system. We are not meddling in theirs today. You know, uh, the Russians like to think of it. They may have some marginal paranoia, but I think their services are good enough to know that they know that it's not U.S. government policy. So the question is one of will and policy. And just because you know, we can, one has to think, as I said, within the rules, when do you use it? And I think this is the major issue for the time is they're meddling in our political process in a serious, you said, a very serious way with potential for more to destabilize the environment and just stir up the pot. I think we have to, if, I think we need to sit down with them, sub Rosa, and talk, try and establish the rules we had in the Cold War. If not, we will probably have to fight back. But we're not doing so today, to the best of my knowledge. I see no, no signs of that. And they seem to be especially adept at uh, inciting um, division in this country. They seem to have a really good grasp of, of how easy it is to pit brother against brother. Well, what I say in the book is they've been doing this for a long, long time. This information was uh, one of the coin of the Raymond in Russian intelligence, KGB. They've been in the disinformation cases of it. You know, again, we don't have time to go through every single one. But, I mean, from the beginning, from 1917 forward, they were in the disinformation business, right? Actually, America, in many ways, was in the information business because we had a great product, right? Well, yeah, I was, I was just thinking of... Uh, you know the the Kennedy brothers and Jackie Kennedy. You know being out on the road globally, you know selling the benefits of democracy and freedom. You know and you know really making the case. And we don't have anybody really doing that as much anymore. Yeah, I think there's a leadership issue, which is you know a big another problem, and leadership with you know articulating the messages and having the charisma, but. Thank God we have a fabulous product. And, uh, you know, during the Cold War, uh, by the time I got in in the late 60s, uh, you know, it was starting to fray. There wasn't much enthusiasm among the Russians. The Cubans were true believers in the 70s. So you have a lot of revolutionary activity, particularly in Latin America. But by the time we got around to fighting them in Afghanistan, it was like nobody, nobody no Russian that actually believed in, you know, the... the communist model worked and no other country no other uh, no other country wanted to buy the product so they were in decline not to make a, a macro leap here i think chinese are going to face the same problem they're going to lousy product to sell the difference is they're working off a very powerful economic base but so i think even though we may not have the best voices as you pick jack kennedy it's pretty hard to match that in terms of his ability to articulate and uh and went over the combination, but I, I think our message is strong enough that we could we could really get by with you know uh, 
a notch up from some of many of the spokesmen today. We have a consensus among ourselves, which we're having trouble on. You know, there's always been difference between the parties, but on the na in the national security arena, there was broad acceptance when I, when I was running that program that I mentioned earlier. Democrats and Republicans, you couldn't tell the difference when I went to the committee. They were both pushing and pushing me as hard as they could to do what I could. So uh, we're missing that consensus, that and even the cordiality that goes with it. So we we have some we have some real work to do. But the blessing in this is we still have a fabulous product. And and we have the the skills, but what about the will? Is is it about uh, is it about political will and support on the hill, or is it about dollars? You know what what does it take to better defend this country against the kind of cyber warfare that's evolving? Well, part of this is what you do and what I'm trying to do in a smaller way. And then there's, there's an educational process in, in the United States. We have to bring awareness to this shortcoming. That we have a fabulous country with extraordinary power and strength. But we need to, we need to return to uh, a consensus. It's not just being nice. It's what do we agree among ourselves about in dealing with the cyber threat, dealing with Russia, because I believe when good hunting, I, I actually, I don't get, by treachery, I everything right. But I did get right in good hunting. I said that by the time that was 2014, by the time, you know, we get into 2020, we'll be looking at nationalism, populism, and strong leaders. And that's where we are today. So we need a consensus about it in the Congress. But it starts with the American people. I mean, one of the products we have is the democratic process. I'm a bit, people will be shocked. I'm a big, big believer for congressional oversight. So I, I think we have to, as a country, be attentive to the fact that we have these threats and how are we going to, how, what's in the best interest of the United States in dealing with them? If we get that, we've got the capability. And we'll find spokesmen. When, when we have our message right, you know, on how to talk about ourselves, I, I think we'll, I, I think we'll, we'll be very strong on again. But that's, so I think we have to get beyond this. But that circles back to uh, the idea of disinformation, and um, it, it, the Russians have been so good at that that a, a great many people are advocating in ways that they were encouraged to by a foreign enemy. They actually have a strategy. It's called the hybrid strategy. It is their military strategy. And part of it is, you know, we build tanks and planes, but the other part is we use information and we use cyber and disinformation to weaken the enemy. That is their strategy. And that is not what we're doing. So they're, you know, if you just do the, if they do the, if you do, not you, but the world out there does research on it, you know, they'll see that this, they, they're good at it because this is, this is their weapon system and they're using it. And as you mentioned, uh, they're, they're very good at this, uh, this information. Marines don't come easily to this information because, and that's why we're easier to, to stir up, right? Because we don't tend to use it. Uh, cyber is tremendously effective in destroying things. Not so hot in building goodwill, right? But on 
undermining things. It's an, an, an amazingly powerful weapon. You can ruin reputations with a flick of the, by hitting a couple keys on your keyboard. So, it, and I think we're struggling with it, and I, rightfully, I'm, not, I'm empathetic to those that are trying to struggle. What, what can we do and maintain our, our civil liberties and rights and still have government trying to get a handle on the disinformation? Well, and where do, you know, how can people trust the information they're getting? Um, because even news organizations have been fed disinformation, and it's it, it just seems like it's harder and harder for people to trust government and media sources to get good information. There is some consent, I mean, you're an expert in this, but it, while there's distorted information in the public media, there's still some control over it. I mean, your, your listeners are going to go away if you get too far off of the reservation. But that's not true in the way the cyber world, in, internet information flows, right? There, um, the wildest things get out there. They're perpetuated. There's no breaks on it. And the other thing that people forget, they're in there forever. So if you click on you know, Tom and Jack for, for the next thousand years, you're going to get pop up you and me, right? Even <laughs> if, uh, you know, so, but that's a true event. But someone else could put up uh, something, that the quote is saying something. And even though it wasn't true, and if you listen to, if you listen to the, the to his talk, but that will be in there along with whatever we said. So it's, it's I, I empathize with our government because we're trying to maintain, you know, the privacy. And at the same time, it's, you know, how do you control it? Taking it out of the national security scene as an example, bullying, right? The tremendous problem we have in schools. You know, it's just so hard to get a handle on it. And do children you? Are, you know, you know, rolled over. And national security team, team you multiply it by uh, by a factor of a million. Do you think the uh, the chaos that happened <clears throat> uh, at the Capitol on uh, January sixth could have happened without the kind of? Uh, interference and, and disinformation and campaign that the Russians have been running? I don't, I'm not prepared because I think it's a big accusation for me to make uh, that they were behind it. I, I, I'm not saying they were behind it. I'm saying could it have happened had they not been interfering? Well, again, uh, Tom, it's, uh, it's hard to call that one. What I what I think I would say is, we now have the ingredients. They're with us. Disinformation, cyber, and so it, it's not just the Russians, it's the Iranians, it's the North Koreans, but it's also elements in our own society, right? So the capacity is there. What I can only address with from a base of experience is what how the how do nation states think about it? In other words, there's not a lot I can do, and I'm very sympathetic to those in the United States that have to get a handle on it. I think what happened to the Capitol is symptomatic of sort of where we are today with a very bad, divided country. So there may be another riot somewhere else, another problem. And my concern is that the national states around this world, Russia, they can get in there and stir it up. Now, I don't think that's happened in the Capitol 
situation because I think the stakes were really high. In other words, if we could prove that the Russians did that, then you really have a serious, we're not back into the Cold War, we're beyond the Cold War. So I think they might have been timid to personally do it. Your question is, is the dynamics there? And I'd say, yes, it's there for the capital, uh, the 6th January event, but it's there for the ones coming in ahead. We have we have a lot of folks now that are, are unhappy, and now they have the tools among themselves to create problems without a, a foreign interference. To act on those Barnett, frustrations. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to have to live with. And that's why I come back to we need to get a better consensus among ourselves about certain key, key things. But I, what I'm focusing on in, on the book is what about Russia? Are they in? And the question was, they're meddling. They're trying to keep us snapping at each other's heels. I'm not prepared to say they did the 6th January, but... They, this is calibrated. They're hitting it for collection purposes, and they're going to keep meddling around the edges. You know, they were screwing around in uh, 2021 when putting disinformation out on the Pfizer. I mean, this is a documented event. I mean, why are they doing that? They're, they're you know, causing, they're, they're causing trouble. And we're not responding. To, I'm fairly certain of that. In other words, we haven't figured out what do we do now. What did we do? This is a question you can find you're the questioner, but no, you know, no. It's, uh, what was our what was our response? I mean, what was our response for the 2016? I mean, what really was the response? You know, we put sanctions, yes, but I mean, we didn't respond internally in kind, right? I mean, it, and I understand the limitations, right? Everyone said, "God, do we want to start World the Cold War too, right? And but I think we're going to be forced to address that, and I hope we would get a consensus on, yeah, you know, let's do whatever we have to do here, but let's first talk to them and make sure, you know, that uh, that we try and resolve this ahead of time. I hope that's taking place, but I don't see any signs of that either. Jack, I can't believe how fast the time has gone, and and we are going to have to end it here. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, your book, Spy Master's Prism, The Fight Against Russian Aggression, is a great place to start. But uh, I, I want to give listeners an opportunity to find out more about you and your work past present and future jack do you have a website i do and uh, there's two there's one my company www at the uh, jack divine one word at the arkengroup.com and then i have one that's more tied to my public activities in the intelligence world and that's www.jackdivine.com um and if you, if you're good if you Google me, you'll find good and bad, depending on how you feel about it. I think most of good. Well, I have a controversial pass, and, and you've been great today and allowed me to, to get off my chest some of the things I have. Well, uh, I, I, I'd I have to tired. say... My, I, get tired of people, I get tired of people talking about me and what I did. I said, I'd better go talk about it myself and go right <laughs> Well, Well, Jack, I've, I've had nothing but a good experience with uh, Jack Devine. So um, for what that's worth, thanks so much for spending this time and sharing some of your expertise and some of your thoughts uh, um, in the book and on the show today. Thank you. It was very thoughtful and very gracious of you, and I enjoyed it immensely. All right. I, ho I hope we get a chance to do it again, Jack. Take care. 
That was uh, former spymaster Jack Devine, author of Spymaster's Prism, The Fight Against Russian Aggression. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org. 
or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. In these days of the Cold War, the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, has become one of our most valuable tools. However, many Americans have complained that too much of the CIA's activities have been kept secret. Tonight, as a public service, we are happy to be able to present the secret head of the CIA who will answer all of your questions. To maintain the secrecy of his identity, he will be wearing a mask. How do you, how do you do, sir? My name, Jose Imana. <laughs> sir, you, you just told your name. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Well, well, guess I'll just take off the mask. But first, I'd like to say something. What? Trick or treat. <laughs> sir, as a... Uh, <clears throat> oh, boy, sir. they're going to really kid me about that back at the office, I don't. Sir, First sir. time I had this mask off. Do I need to shave up here? No, no, no. It has been said that spies work for the highest bidder. Would you tell me if that's true? What's it worth to you? <laughs> I, uh, I understand that... Uh, when you're a spy, you use very tricky devices. Is that true? You understand that when you're a spy, you use tricky devices. Well, you see this cigarette that I'm smoking? Uh-huh. You see that? Yes. That's really a gun. Come on now, you can't tell me that cigarette is a gun. Oh, yeah? How would you like a shot in the mouth? Mm-hmm. We also, among other things, use very... Cleverly concealed cameras. Oh, really? Sure. See this front tooth here? <laughs> see that? Yes, I that's, see. That's not really a tooth. That's a miniature camera. How does it work? Just press my nose. <laughs> and, and that'll take a picture? No, I just like people to press my nose. <laughs> Actually, my nose is a, a shortwave radio. <laughs> And you work the camera by pulling in my left ear. What happens when you pull in your right ear? That turns on my nose. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's absolutely... Um... I think it's running now. <laughs> that's amazing, a camera in your tooth. Uh-huh. I can't even see the little hole. Well, that's because I was in the right half of the class. <laughs> How did you get an idea like that, having a camera in your tooth? Well, I had this film on my teeth. I thought, why let it go to waste? You know. Sir, I've heard that they do terrible things to gain information from captured spies. Oh, boy. You heard about that, huh? Yes. I tell you, they do. Oh, you know, one time they captured me. And they took these bamboo things, they put them underneath my fingernails, and they lit fire to them. They were burning things under my fingernails. And then they came and they hit me on the shoulders very hard, right there with the bony part where it really could hurt. And then they punched me in the nose, and they punched me in the stomach. And then they took these pair of pliers, and they squeezed me all over the place. 
then they started to torture me. Did you talk? No, I was too busy screaming. You must have had some uh, thrilling experiences. Oh, I can think of one now. You know, one time I was on a plane, you know, and I had these foreign documents, and I saw on the same plane, right down just a couple of seats from me, still in first class, Yes. Oh. were a couple of foreign power people, you see? Yes. They were there. Yes. So I took these foreign documents, and I went into the laboratory, but when I came out, they caught me with the documents. Well, why didn't you get rid of them? There was a sign that says, don't throw any foreign articles into the laboratory. So who would you say was the greatest spy in history? The greatest spy in history was Ludwig van Beethoven. I didn't know Beethoven was a spy. You see how great he was? Uh. As long as we have you here in front of these microphones, uh, would uh, be all right with you if some of the people here in the audience ask you some questions uh, pertaining to the CIA. Would you answer all of their questions? Yes, I would answer all of them. Oh, that's I'd very good. Very happy. Would you delighted. please uh, feel free to ask any questions you have? How can we get a job at the CIA? Do you have any experience as a spy? <laughs> Not yet. Are you married? Yes. You've had experience. <laughs> If you are caught behind enemy lines, all you have to do is give the name, rank, and serial number of every soldier in the United States Army, where they are billeted, and, and how many bullets they have. Otherwise, they'll give you such a clock, you won't even know what to Yes. That it's still going on. <laughs> I mean, if you hear anything whistling, duck. Does the CIA have a theme song? Excuse me? Does the CIA have a theme song? Yes. It's over where? <laughs> Here you go. How many copies would you like? Well, sir, in conclusion, uh, as a spy, uh, do you have a code? No, it just sounds like that because I got this radio in my nose. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car Lights had changed A crowd of people Stood aside they seen his face before Nobody was really sure If he was from the house of Notice I was late Grab my coat Grab my hat Made the books and seconds flat By my way says And I had a smoke Somebody spoke and I went into a dream
You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.